0: Welcome to the Payroll Podcast with your host, Nick Day. Find out what it takes to truly discover what it takes to elevate your career within payroll as we meet with the industry leaders who are shaping the industry for tomorrow. Hello and welcome
1: back to The Payroll Podcast. My name is Nick Bay, CEO at JGA Recruitment Group, Specialist Payroll Recruiters. And today I'm bringing you another special episode of the show, because today we're going to be focused on the recent statement made by Chancellor Rishi Sunak, which announced an NI and tax rise, which will take effect from July. But is the payroll industry ready to handle these changes earlier? We're going to get into all of that a little bit in just a moment. However, before we do, let me introduce you all to today's guest because I'm joined on the show today by Abigail Warn, Chief Operating Officer at award-winning payroll and HR solutions provider Zealous. Now, Abigail is an experienced board executive, eighteen years' experience delivering large-scale payroll and HR transformations. She's a skilled, strategic, and customer and commercially focused leader who is currently responsible for leading zealous operations across the UK, Ireland and India to support over 5 million colleagues every month with HR and payroll services. So, Abigail, welcome to the show. How are you feeling today?
2: Very well. Thank you, Nick. Thank you for inviting me onto your podcast.
1: No, absolute pleasure. Timing is everything in this game, as they say. I think it's an absolutely relevant subject to bring in for a special episode. So for those not familiar with the recent announcements, and perhaps you're listening to this for the first time as well, the Chancellor's recent spring statement announced that billions of pounds are going to be put back into the pockets of hardworking people with his unveiling of a new tax plan, which will ease the rising cost of living and deliver the biggest cut to personal taxes in a quarter of a century. However, Although these tax cuts will benefit nearly 30 million UK workers through rise national insurance thresholds, which will see the typical employee save over £330 in a year, these changes are not going to impact the typical employee until July. However, zealous believe the payroll industry is ready to implement these changes now. And you may have even read John Petter's recent letter published in the Financial Times that urged the Chancellor to act now. If you didn't, don't worry. I will put a link in the show notes. And more importantly, I'm going to be asking all of these prevalent questions direct to Abigail today on the show for all of her thoughts on the statement as well. But before we get into the nitty gritty, I'm going to start with the first question I ask all my guests, which is this. Abigail, what does the word payroll mean to you?
2: Important. Or critical. There was a reason that I joined this industry just under three years ago now, and that was really the higher purpose that I think this industry serves, which is paying people and helping them feel appreciated for the work they do, is really critical to people's quality of life and standard of living. And it's really important we get it right. So really
1: important. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And of course, Zellis, you're seeing that at scale as well. So you can really see the impact that payroll has on everyday working lives, which is phenomenal. So if we bring it back to the spring statement, then, what do you think the payroll industry was expecting in advance of the spring statement?
2: Well, there's always some surprises in a budget. So you have to be prepared for the unexpected. I think what we thought was unlikely was that the social care levy would be abolished. There'd been some talk about that, particularly in the context of the cost of living increases. But I think both Boris Johnson and Rishi Sunak had done a joint letter in one of the nationals saying, you know, it's really important we make this change. So whilst controversial and whilst the timing might not be right, we thought it was probably unlikely that having won the case to introduce a new levy for social care, that that would go away. However, it was clear they couldn't really do nothing because we clearly are in unprecedented times. And when you look at, you know, energy bills going up 54% next month, when you look at fuel prices higher than they've ever been, when you look at even the cost of stamps going up 10 pence, you know, everywhere you look, your broadband providers putting up 9%, 10% increases, we are absolutely coming to a cost of living crunch and to introduce an uh, additional tax at that time is clearly going to have a, a hugely detrimental effect for many people particularly low earners so we thought that there was likely to be some adaptation to the proposed tax changes whether that be thresholds or the values and so that wasn't entirely a surprise I think whilst we always want as much notice as possible in the industry, I think we were particularly surprised that we're waiting until July for this to take effect, because putting aside the challenges that we as an industry may have in making change at this pace, for the individual who is facing all of this pressure on their household income to have to increase taxes for three months to then get relief doesn't make a lot of sense for them. And this could make a big difference. So what we were surprised about is that it wasn't being put through as a change to start for the new financial year on April the 6th.
1: You've used the word surprise. I mean, another word you might I might use would be frustration in the sense that obviously these things take time to go through a full parliamentary process. So maybe that's why, it's, from my perspective, maybe they've done it from July because they now need time to put it through a parliamentary process for all those things to work through. But if that's the case... I'm assuming from a brand like ZS as well. There must have been some frustration if they knew this was going to come. They didn't announce this earlier so that you could have been ready for April. And do you think that's perhaps one of the reasons why they've used July as that kind of kickoff date?
2: It's very hard to speculate on what may have motivated the timing. I think that whilst we would love more advance notice, the reality is that the world has changed a lot in the last three months. Yeah, it has. Nobody predicted inflation at 8% and continuing to sustain I don't think many of us saw Russia invading Ukraine as a likely scenario and obviously the impact on energy, et cetera, and fuel. So you have to respond to the circumstances you're in. We've seen this before in a different context when obviously the pandemic hits and emergency changes need to be brought in with the coronavirus job retention yeah. scheme. The thing that surprised me in the statement wasn't the fact that we didn't get much notice on change. It's more actually that they specifically have called out in the detail that the reason for the delay until July is to allow the payroll software industry and employers to be ready. Sure. And that was the bit that surprised me because it's very specific. What it doesn't say is that this gives us time to go through parliamentary due process or gives all stakeholder bodies the opportunity to actually be ready. It specifically cites the payroll software industry. And I think that was a surprise because I don't feel, without being critical of the government, because they've got a very difficult job, but I personally don't feel that there's been much consultation on that. And actually, I've seen recently, a couple of days ago, CIPP have put out a snap poll Uh, on their website, asking how quickly could these changes be implemented, which ideally we would have been consulted on, I think, prior to the change. I'm not sure that the payroll industry is the reason for delay or needs to be the reason for delay. There might be a perception that is required. I'm not sure it's the reality. Now, there probably is other things that are driving the timeline uh, that they haven't been explicit on, They could have been, you know, more clear about what those
1: are. So I guess some of the frustration really then is the fact they've they've almost passed the buck a little bit onto the Pell providers to say, we want to do this now, but actually it's that we want to make sure that Pell providers are ready, the service providers are ready, and so on to deliver this. And we're not sure that they are without that kind of level of, of consultation that you mentioned. So in reality, I guess some of the frustration must be that they the government haven't been more ambitious. With their timings, because you know, as you say, you have over five million people within the Zella services that you know you're ready to do this now. And is do you think that's true across the other providers as well? Do you think the industry as a whole is ready for the change now?
2: Yeah, I mean, this did spark quite a debate on LinkedIn, and a lot of my peers in the industry said we can make this change as well very quickly. I mean, by and large, you know, this is a data change. We know that it's very likely that tax is going to change, national insurance is going to change, thresholds are going to change. So any provider of any scale and credibility will have built this in a configurable way. So it's a data update. It's a very simple thing to do. And that's the feedback that I'm hearing from peers in the industry as well. I think the frustrating thing, actually, uh, additionally frustrating thing behind the payroll industry being cited as one of the main reasons to wait till July is the fact that there are elements of the spring statement that need to be implemented in April. So the employment allowance, for example, is actually a change that has to be made in April. And from a zealous perspective, and this will be true of, again, other people in the industry, the employment allowance is in our software. It's embedded and automated. So we've got to make a change to our software for the 6th of April for that anyway, uh, and that's actually a slightly more involved change than changing national insurance thresholds, which doesn't come until July. Again, I think perhaps it's maybe understanding around the scale and impact of specific changes more than anything else.
1: I think the one thing that I found fascinating, I read your post on LinkedIn, Abigail, and, and this is the bit we need to be really be aware of here because this is where, it, it's for me, it's really important. I know it's frustrating they've linked the, the payroll industry as not being ready, but the reality is, as you put in your post, they could have helped avoid millions of people being impacted by three months of higher national insurance contributions. You know, you mentioned you know, with, with the of social care levy before qualifying uh, for relief from July. So that's one of the main reasons that's driving your wish and John's letter to make the change now, because that's 3 million people being impacted who are on the breadline, who do need the support. Why wait if you're ready now? And that's that's kind of the, the humanist element to it, which is more important than anything else. So I guess that must be really frustrating as if, as you say, the providers are, Already, and it is an automated change that you can make it seems even more baffling that that's the case
2: yeah and i think we know this will make a big difference i mean for those who are at the lower end of the scale so earning 12,570 pounds for example or sorry earning below that and this will take them potentially completely out of paying national insurance you know that will save them you know just under 90 pounds in the next three months yeah 90 pounds when your income to your household is less than £12,000 is a lot of money. I mean, it's a lot of money for anybody, but that will help contribute to fuel bills. It will avoid somebody needing to make a choice between do I feed my children this evening or do I pay my energy bill? That's the reality of the crisis we're in. I know there is large-scale understanding of that. That's why the government's acting, and, and I think the sure. changes are to be commended to be really clear. I guess we know we can make a difference earlier. And I think the next three months are going to be incredibly difficult for many, many people. Um, And if we can act earlier, ideally we
1: would. Yeah, and no, I agree. Well, let's. If I'm a payroll manager listening to this now, payroll professional, and maybe I'm a, a user of the Zella software, or I use another product. Maybe we're not that familiar with how complex it is to make changes to software that that you know support or allow for these legislation changes. So, from a from your perspective, from provider side, how complex is it? How difficult is it to make changes to your software when legislation changes?
2: The answer to this is probably going to feel quite frustrating because the reality is it does depend. It depends on the nature of the change that's being communicated. If you go back to the kind of coronavirus job retention scheme, that was a much more complex change. It was doing things and involving a construct that had never been done before. But changing a national insurance threshold, as I mentioned earlier, it's a it's a data field, it's just updating the field. Um, that can be managed, as I say, in most software providers by either just sending out a new data file for consumption or effectively configuring it in the in the software and doing a patch to the release. So this is definitely on the lower end of complexity. But some changes are much more significant and actually what often causes the delay is when new legislation is announced and there is clarity to be got around exactly what is intended where the edge cases aren't maybe properly documented or haven't been thought about and we then need to work with HMRC and others in order to just clarify exactly what's intended by the legislation. Sure, And so that is, uh, you know, obviously a much more significant change, but that is not this category here. So an example of a very, very complex change, probably the most complex from the last few years that um, I can think of is, you know, average holiday pay. We took years to get ready for average oh, okay. holiday pay. I thought you were going to mention the dreaded word of furlough
1: then, but holiday pay. <laughs>
2: holiday uh, Furlough was complicated because of short notice of yeah, having okay. to implement it, and it was different to what we'd done before. Average holiday pay... Is a particularly complex piece of functionality. I think most people in the industry would say that. And yeah. I threshold changes, just different end of the spectrum. So some things are difficult, don't get me wrong. And actually, to be really clear, the more notice that we can get as an industry on change, the better, because you don't want to rush software changes in. They do need to be properly tested. People need to be confident that it's both in the kind of letter and spirit of the legislation as it's implemented. But as I say, when it's a simple change like this, and three million people are impacted, then I feel as an industry, that's our time to step up. We stepped up before with furlough, we can step up again with this.
0: Have you ever asked yourself, how can I recruit payroll staff effectively? Please don't give up on your recruitment project just yet. Here at JGA Payroll Recruitment, we appreciate the difficulties associated with attracting, recruiting, and retaining top payroll talent. We also understand just how costly a poor payroll hire can be. JGA Recruitment are a niche payroll recruitment agency who will partner with you to resource payroll candidates who will improve both the accuracy and efficiency of your payroll department. Contact us today on 01727 800 377 or visit jgarecruitment.com to find out more. let's drill down a little bit then on
1: that statement piece. Again, you know, we, we know we put the ball in the court of the Pell providers to make sure you're ready. You've got three months now lead-in time for this particular change. We think we're ready to do this now. How much notice do you usually get? Like, is this, is this, is three months a kind of a, a standard time frame that they usually give you and they're sticking to that? Or is this again, because you mentioned the employment allowances earlier, that's, that's effective from April. I don't know.
2: Yeah, it depends sometimes not very much notice. Normally, it's around six months. And okay. for larger changes like things like auto enrollment and things like that, it, it can be a lot longer. For tax and national insurance, you expect to do it on relatively short notice. And so as an industry, we have to be prepared to work in a relatively agile way. But, but normally, you get six months or so notice. Talk I through. think the other piece to add is, ironically, actually, the delay to July for most people in the industry actually adds some complexity rather than if they'd implemented it from April the 6th. And the reason is, is that Directors National Insurance as an annual calculation and worked out across the months is uh, now gonna need to manage two values, one NI value for three months and one for nine months. That is gonna make that calculation more complex. And I think most people will have to tweak their software in order to support that change. So, ironically, the delay has actually created a little bit more complexity for software providers than if it had been brought in earlier in the well,
1: main. I'd imagine it's probably also created a huge amount of work in the sense that people are going to read headline news and think these are impactful from April and not realising it's from July and it's going to flood payroll departments up and down the, the country with inquiries as to why the changes, you know, they're being impacted now for these first three months because I don't think it's, it's necessarily been that clear to the everyday individual who's receiving their pay that this is going to you know this is going to impact them from July and i think that's going to probably going to raise some uh, some some traffic into the payroll departments as well i would have thought
2: it's a really really good point we were already on high alert for contact volumes from april onwards because i'm not sure that people have really understood the social care levy and the fact it's percentage points and not percentage And therefore, I don't think they'll necessarily understand why their pay has changed, particularly if you're a salaried kind of monthly worker and you're used to a very consistent number. So we were already expecting in April to have quite a flood of contacts to explain why has my salary changed. And I think that's been recognised in HMRC as well, because they've advised the industry to put a message on the pay slip, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I think what we are potentially now going to see is... Confusion about why the salary has gone up and a question mark about why it has gone up to that level, given what's been recently announced in the spring statement. So I think it's going to be quite a tough time, actually, for HR and payroll departments in terms of managing through this volume and reassuring people that we have calculated it correctly
1: and that the values are right. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Now, you mentioned earlier about the the £90 impact for those on the breadline, those that are really struggling. But actually, if you're listening to this, this could impact you, you know, whether you're on the breadline or not, it's not just for those that are struggling. So, for example, what would the delay mean to the average worker on annual wage of, say, 35000
2: Yeah, I mean, actually, we've worked through three scenarios and the values are virtually identical. So if you're on a salary of, let's say, 30000 you'll pay just over £220 a month in national insurance uh, from April with a social care levy. And you'll benefit by reduction uh, from July of of £29.81 a month. So if you multiply that by three, you're at £89.43 loss versus if it had been brought in earlier. If you take a 25-year-old worker on national minimum wage working about 40 hours a week, they'll be paying national insurance of just over £109 a month. And again, they'll benefit of a reduction of £29.82 from July. So again, that's £89.46 they're missing out on. And somebody, as I mentioned earlier, who is on £12,570, i.e. where the national insurance will kick in from, They'll be paying three months at eighty nine pounds twenty five, so they'll be paying twenty nine seventy five a month, and then from July they'll pay nothing. So they actually are losing out on eighty nine pound twenty five as well. So actually, regardless, almost of where you sit in that spectrum, you're all missing out on around the ninety pound mark. Yes, yeah, phenomenal. Um, and that makes a big difference, you know, at all of those levels to all of those individual scenarios.
1: Wow, I, I don't know, it's probably an impossible question to answer, but do you think the HMRC have run the same numbers across those? And, and do they do you think they realize that the, the amounts come in almost identical across all three bandings?
2: I'd hope so. Yeah, you'd um, hope so.
1: It's interesting. I'd hope
2: so. But, but you know, realistically, I, I do recognize we're in extraordinary times. And actually, if you're in the Treasury and you're working through what to put into the spring statement, you're modeling through lots and lots and lots of scenarios and you're working a pace whether they've modeled specifically what difference would it make if we could bring in versus april versus july i don't know because they maybe have thought that this couldn't be implemented before july and therefore it wasn't something that they necessarily considered clearly they have modeled the impact from july onwards
1: yeah it just feels incredibly harsh that those at the uh Struggling the most on that national insurance minimum are impacted at the same level. You know, uh-huh. you'd like to think it was a percentage increase based on earnings, but I guess that's a, a very complex algorithm to come up with. If, if we bring this back to the furlough piece, you talked a little bit about how payroll uh, managed to adjust phenomenally at, at, at pace to the changes that the, the COVID uh, legislation brought in in terms of furlough, uh, calculations and so on. How does this compare to the changes the payroll teams would have had to make during COVID for furlough rules? For this, I'm just thinking back to, again, making sure that payroll businesses have enough time to make these changes. So what's the comparison like?
2: I think when we think back to the kind of March, April 2020 period, I don't think many of us would want to go back there. right? No, I'd agree. (laughs) it It was entirely, it was extremely stressful for many reasons, but particularly if you're in the payroll industry, you wanted to make a difference and help save people's jobs. And no doubt as an industry... We stepped up really well and we did save millions of jobs. And I think we should be really proud of that. But we had very, very little notice to implement very, very complex change here. And understandably, it couldn't have been any different. And it was compounded by what I mentioned earlier, which is lack of clarity around the intent or how to calculate some elements of the change. Specifically, if I walk through what we had to do in, in Zealous for Coronavirus Retention, and we also had the Irish Waste Subsidy Scheme in Ireland as well, we had to build a new module to effectively introduce a date affected by furlough, so to cover both start and end, basically, to help calculate what period was the employee on furlough versus what periods are they in, in normal work, basically. Because that underpins both the value that the employee often got Um, depending on whether the employer topped up, but it also underpinned the claim process to HMRC. And we also needed a mechanism to flag the pay elements that were then to be used in the calculation and not all pay elements were relevant for calculation for furlough. We needed to create a new calculation method for those payments based on averaging the rules and the period to make to the employee. Then we had the claim process itself to HMRC, there was also complexity around salary sacrifice. And the reasons why we had to go through a number of iterations and patches was there was a lot of changes and clarifications that came along the way as well. Then there were extensions to the scheme, <laughs> then there was flexi furlough where you could effectively be parts furloughed and part not. And the calculation had to be prorated. There was guides that had to be written, webinars, training, support. And as I say, we also had to do all of this in Ireland where the rules were totally different again. Yeah, God. So that was a huge undertaking and frankly was six to nine months of work, which we had to do in two to three weeks. And I guess this is the point really, which is nobody wants to work in those conditions under that pressure and make that level of change to software. I'm delighted we were able to do it and support our customers to be able to claim furlough and make it relatively automated because a lot of our customers are very large scale businesses who were needing to rely on this scheme. But it certainly is not ideal in how we'd want to work in normal times. But we realized that there was a crisis. And that's why, as I say, the national insurance change is just frustrating because it's just nowhere near that complex. It's changing a value and deploying it. Yet this feels like another crisis on a similar scale to what we saw back in March 2020. We've proven as an industry we can step up. And I think there's some underestimation about how capable this industry is.
1: No, I I couldn't agree more. I think one of the one good thing that came out of the pandemic from a payroll perspective is really putting it in the limelight and raising the profile. Because anyone who thought it was a big red button and simple, I think got a, a, you know quite a rude awakening. Because payroll people and payroll providers and everyone in the industry worked tirelessly to make sure that everyone got paid, and it was incredibly challenging and stressful. And you know, we managed to pull through as an industry, which has been absolutely fantastic and huge kudos and great to see. You know, actually public political recognition from the likes of Scott Morrison in Australia and, and others actually saying, you know what, without the payroll industry here. Keeping people paid, you know, the infrastructure in, in in other countries, not just in the UK, would have would have fallen down. So it's been a phenomenal effort, and I think you've highlighted the complexities really, really well, though, Abigail. So you know, well done for doing that as well. So look, just to bring back uh, slightly, I'm I'm, I'm going to put uh, a link to this uh, in the in the show notes. But the letter from John Petter, who's the chief executive of Zellers, said, and um, you know, open letter to the Chancellor, urging the industry to to act, to bring this forward, to help those three million people we mentioned earlier which are going to be impacted by this change the payroll industry is ready that's an open letter but what do you think happens next then do you think there is still time for a change to be made or do you think that that you know the horse has already bolted or you know and, and will employees have to wait until july as a result until they see this benefit or is there still time for something to be done
2: i think realistically it's going to go live in july yeah and I suspect there's a number of reasons for that and you're making a difficult judgment call and battling lots of considerations and I think it will be July. I think the more we spend time debating it, as of recording this show on the 30th of March, the time is ticking, so the less possible it becomes to implement by the 6th of April, but it's still possible today, but deciding on the 5th of April at 11 o'clock at night might make it more difficult then you know we can still do it I think the ship has sailed there was an amendment in the house of commons debated yesterday from the Lib Dems urging them to bring it forwards I think the amendment ultimately got withdrawn there were people in the debate still citing the payroll industry can't be ready and I don't believe that to be true on the most part for most players and I think even if you couldn't be ready There are workarounds that I think could be managed. And I I don't believe we should be moving to the slowest move. We should be moving at a pace of the slowest mover. I think we've got to basically go at the pace of the majority and the fastest movers. But I think that this change will take effect in three months' time. And I think it's a shame
1: yeah no, well i couldn't i couldn't agree more maybe well maybe there's still something that could be done and we're not we're not prepared for yet maybe they'll put some kind of rebate in place in 3 months time to <laughs> affect 89 pounds roughly for each individual affected That's well
2: enough. interestingly if they did do a rebate that would cause like, even more work and headache for the payroll teams so <laughs> uh we will manage obviously because it would be the right thing to do for individuals but if really payroll teams and payroll engineers are at the heart of this uh yeah. i would I'd probably urge them not to do that, really. But either way, uh, we'll do the right thing.
1: Well, it's been a really fascinating conversation and investigation as well into the into the spring statements. Thank you ever so much for giving up your time. I, I must ask, and it'd be remiss of me not to, to if you could just elaborate a little bit on what Zellis do, because not everyone may be familiar with the services you provide. I know that for me, I'm very familiar. You know, one of the biggest you know, providers of payroll services, um, very well-renowned from my perspective. But if you're not so familiar, it'd be great if you could just give us a bit of an overview of, of Zellis and the services that you provide.
2: Yeah. Well, I like to describe us as the company nobody's ever heard of in a good way. Oh, really? Um, Okay. Because that means that we're probably getting it right uh, more times than not. If we are on the front page of the newspaper, then we're not getting it right. So we are, as you mentioned, a dedicated HR and payroll provider for the UK and Ireland markets. We service hundreds and hundreds of customers of different sizes, and we've got company MorePay that do small business. We have Benefits, who are a benefits management company. And then there is Zealous, who provide kind of HR and payroll more under the Zealous group. We pay nearly one in six people in the UK. About a third of the FTSE 100 are serviced by Zealous. And we have both a software-only element of our business where customers subscribe to our technology for either payroll or payroll and HR. And then we have a services division, which is the area that I run, which effectively covers three things. One is managed services for customers that want to partner with a company to actually run their payroll or HR services. And we have about 120 customers we do that for, varying in size from very large banks of 50, 60, 70,000 employees, right the way down to smaller niche players with complex requirements. And we have a consultancy division that helps customers implement our technology and run our service, but also helps customers in life with their kind of HR and payroll challenges. So how to optimize their pay bill, et cetera, et cetera. And then the third and final element is our support services division that supports our technology-only customers with using our products and upgrading on release cycles.
1: Amazing, amazing. Well, if you're a payroll manager or an HR professional listening to this, perhaps you're going for an RFP, perhaps you're considering an, you know, outsourcing a service or bringing in some new technology or looking at new benefits, to a solution provider, whatever it is, please do go to the show notes. The links to all of those uh, businesses will be included. So, zenith.com, benefits, and more pay. You can go straight through to the URLs and find out more. Just leaves me to say a huge thank you, Abigail Vaughan, for joining me today on this special episode of the Payroll Podcast. And of course, if you are a payroll leader listening to this or watching it and you have uh, or need support with a payroll related vacancy please do give myself or my team a call you can access us at www.jgarecruitment.com just leads me to say one more huge thank you to abigail for joining me at short notice today and i look forward to bringing you the next episode of the payroll podcast real soon thank you
0: thank you abigail thank you nick thank you so much for tuning into the payroll podcast with nick day of jga recruitment If you need help with a current payroll vacancy, then please get in touch with Nick and his team. All contact details can be found in the episode notes. In the meantime, to make sure you never miss a future episode, please subscribe to the show through any of your favorite podcast channels. Till next time.